Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. God's eternal goal is a holy building, which is how the book of Ezekiel concludes, starting in chapter 40. The three previous sections of Ezekiel are for this final, last section, starting in chapter 40. That is, the glory of the Lord in chapter 1, the judgment of God from chapter 2 to 32, and the recovery of the Lord by life from chapter 33 to 39, are all for the holy building of God, which is covered in Ezekiel 40 through chapter 48. Today you've joined us as we begin this final section of Ezekiel, touching God's goal, his holy building. This is Matt Miller with John Pester for a very important life study program. John, it's really good to have you back in the studio. Well, it's good to be back, Matt. John, today we've come to the issue of all the wonderful things that we've covered so far in Ezekiel in our first 16 radio programs or our previous 18 life studies. The title of our program today is The Vision of the Holy Building of God. So I think it's important to set the stage a little bit before we go to Witness Lee. Well, Matt, this is a very important and deep and complicated life study message, and there is absolutely no way for us to cover all of the details. I would begin by just saying I would encourage all of our listeners to get a printed copy of this life study message, to read it and consider it. But the subject of this life study is the vision of the holy building of God, God's work, his glory, his judgment, and his work of recovery consummate in a building, the building of God, something that is God's habitation on this earth. But in order for us to enter into it, we have to have a vision of this building. And this is the subject of what Ezekiel, Ezekiel received a vision of the holy building of God at a particular point in his life, and that set the stage for God's further move. And what Ezekiel saw is contrasted in many respects with what the Apostle John saw in the book of Revelation. He saw a vision of the holy city of God. So if at the end of the prophetic period in Israel, as the prophetic period developed and was concluding, corresponds with what is concluding at the end of the New Testament, we should be very cognizant of the fact that it is important to have not only an understanding, but a real spiritual vision of what God is doing. You know, John, I'm glad you referred to the Apostle John, who wrote the last book of the Bible, the last book of the New Testament, because the book of Revelation also ends with a building. And that's a good lead to our first section with Witness Lee, because in the book of Revelation, there were four major visions. The first vision was of the local churches in chapter 1, and the Apostle John said, I was in spirit. And I turned and saw. So the key was for him to be in spirit. And then the next great vision in the book of Revelation was of the things to come, Mm -hmm. of the destiny of the world. And that was in chapter 4. And again, he was 
in spirit. And the third major vision was in chapter 17, the vision of the mystery Babylon. And again, he was in spirit. And the final vision, the vision of the new Jerusalem, he said again, I was in spirit. So it's really important that we would be in spirit. And I want to begin uh, the word with Ezekiel today on reading Ezekiel chapter 40, verses 2 for 4, because this is a similar Comparison to what John was, because Ezekiel was taken to a great and high mountain to see this vision in Ezekiel of God's holy building. So, in the visions of God, he brought me into the land of Israel and set me down upon a very high mountain. And on it to the south, there was a structure like a city. And he brought me there, and there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze with a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, standing in the gate. And the man said to me, Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears, and set your heart on all that I show you, because for this purpose you have been brought here, that it may be shown to you. Tell all that you see to the house of Israel." Let's go to Witness Lee now from his original speaking in Los Angeles, California, on August 15th, 1971. Now we come to the last section, the holy building of God. And this section covers altogether nine chapters, from chapter 40 to chapter 48 to the end of the book. Firstly... You all can see at the beginning of this section, it mentions the year, the month, and the date. If you uh, compare the year here mentioned with that mentioned at the beginning of the first chapter, you could see there is a difference of 20 years. When Ezekiel saw the first vision, he was 30 years of age. And now, when he saw the last vision, he was 50 years of age. This proves that to see the building of God needs the maturity. And then the place to see the vision, it was on the high mountain. And it was not in the captivity land. Ezekiel was brought back to the Holy Land, to the place where Jerusalem was. And he was brought back to the high mountain. We all know to see anything, you need the position. To see anything, you need the angle. We have to get to the highest position, with the highest angle to see the building of God. You know, many, many brothers and sisters could prove that in their captivity, they couldn't see the vision of the building of the church until they get back, until they came back to the Holy Land, to the church life. It is in the church life that they see the vision of the building. So we need... To grow up, we need to get to the maturity, and we need to get up to the mountaintop. 
so we can see the building of God. John, we really do need to get up to the mountaintop to see this vision of the building of God. It's obviously a picture and not talking about getting in your car and driving to a mountain. But I would like to ask you to develop this matter of what does it mean practically to go to the mountaintop to see the building of God? Well, in Ezekiel, it says that in the visions that he received, he was taken to and set down on a high mountain. The verse in Revelation where John says he was carried away to a great and high mountain, he qualifies that phrase with, I was carried away in spirit to a great and high mountain. To be on a high mountain is not to be in a physical location. It is really to be in an elevated position in which you can see spiritually the realities in God's economy, and those realities are all present in our spirit. We have to be a person in our spirit to see a vision of God's building. You know, when the Lord Jesus met the woman at the well, uh, she was in her fallen condition. She'd had five husbands, and she was ashamed of her situation when, when the Lord confronted her. And when the Lord spoke to her, she tried to divert his attention away from her condition by saying, you know, where should I worship? Should I worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem? And the Lord corrected her and said, this is the time in which the Father is seeking those that will worship him in spirit. So the woman was focused on a physical place, but the Lord was focused on the reality of her spirit. And to get to a great and high mountain, we need to be people who are willing to put everything of our low earthly, mundane, fallen situation aside temporarily and say, Lord, carry me away in my spirit. We need to exercise our spirit. We need to open to the Lord in prayer in our spirit. We need to put aside everything that considered to conflict with that. And then we just need to open to the Lord. And when we open to the Lord, we will get a vision and a revelation of, of God's building. Well, John, today's program is on the vision of the building, so we can't spend too much time on this matter of being in spirit. But I hope just for the sake of uh, the light, the Lord would shine on this matter to some of our listeners this may be new to. I know there was a point in my Christian walk when this was a shock to me to hear about my spirit. And I needed to be in my spirit and that the revelation is in the spirit. And a lot of times when we Christians talk about the spirit, we just think of the Holy Spirit, but but we're really talking about our spirit. Right, our human spirit that has been regenerated and indwelt by the Spirit of God. I would just mention one short point, if I can. Brother Lee's point about this vision coming to Ezekiel 20 years after his previous vision indicates that there is a need for spiritual maturity in order to see a vision, in order to understand what the Lord is showing you, in order to enter into the reality of that vision. There is the need for spiritual maturity. And so even that spiritual maturity that we need to see the vision, to understand and comprehend it, that spiritual maturity comes from the exercise of our spirit. As we exercise and we contact the Lord, and the Lord grows in us, and we mature, the Lord has the capacity and the ability to show us more and higher spiritual visions and help us enter into those realities. That's very good, John. Someone who exercises their spirit for two years may have a lot more maturity for someone who's been a Christian for 20 but hasn't exercised their spirit. Exactly. Well, let's go on. The next section I want to refer to is uh, some New Testament verses that talk about the Lord as the door. 
because we're going to see the gate of the building in our next section. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. If anyone comes through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and go out and shall find pasture. And then John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the reality and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We all know the world is a separating matter. It separates what should belong to God and what should never belong to God. According to the measurement, we all have to realize the world is Christ. Christ is the separating line. Whatever is within Christ, and this belongs to God's interest, and this belongs to God's building. Whatever is outside of Christ, and this is excluded from God's interest, from God's building. So Christ is the separating line. With him, there's no imperfection. With him, there's nothing crooked. Everything is straight, upright, and square, and perfect, and complete. Such a man is the separating line. The history, the life, the biography of Jesus got to be a kind of a condemning factor to us. But hallelujah. He is not only the wall. He is also the gate. As the wall, he excuses us, condemns us. But at the gate, he brings us in. She ushers us in. Let me take with you. Now you are in God's economy. Now you are within God's interest. In other words, now you are in the circle, sphere of God's building. Did you climb up the wall and got in? By what way you got in? Praise the Lord. By the gate. By taking Christ as the door. Christ is not only the wall, but also the gateway for us to get into God. He says, I am the way. Without me, no man can come to the Father. He is not the, only the wall, but also the gate. The gateway for us to get into God. For us to get into God's kingdom. For us to get into God's interest. For us to get into God's building. Marvelous. John, this really is marvelous. I'd say amen to Witness Lee there that on the one hand, the wall separates what should belong to God and what should never belong to God. But praise the Lord, there's a gate. I'd just like you to talk a little bit more about this wall and this gate, which is a picture of Christ giving us a way to God. This is a very deep point because it relates to the type of the building. First of all, we have to realize when we're discussing any aspect of the building of God, we have to realize that we're talking about Christ. 
Christ is the foundation stone. He's the cornerstone. He's the capstone. Every aspect of God's building is just Christ. And so we have to interpret all of these points with Christ in view. And around the building of God that Ezekiel saw, there was a wall, but this wall had gates. But both the wall and the gates point to a particular aspect of us in relationship to Christ and Christ in relationship to us. This wall was six cubits tall and six cubits wide. It was a square wall. And man was created on the sixth day, which indicates that Christ is the man who's fully square according to God's design. He's square, perfect, complete. There's nothing crooked about Christ. He is the wall. And this wall, as this person, and he is the person who's been accepted by God, received by God. If we want to be accepted and received by God, we have to match that standard. But it's impossible for us to match that standard. It is absolutely impossible for us to match the standard of Christ's humanity that was displayed and exhibited in the Gospels because he lived by another life. And we have to receive that life in order to live that way. And so Christ, when you compare yourself to Christ, you're outside the wall. There is no way to get to God except through Christ. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is the wall. No one can come to the Father. That means there's nothing that you can do in your behavior, in your good deeds, Matt, that will allow you to come to the Father. You have to come through Christ. If you try to come with your own deeds, Christ will be there as the wall, stopping you from coming. But he's also the gate. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's a way. He has made the way for us to come into the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is through the gates. Christ has opened up the way for us to come to the Father. He's opened up the way for us to enter into the building of God through his redemptive death and his life imparting resurrection. With these two elements, we can come into the building and fully experience and enjoy all the riches inside. So even though there is the wall that can shut people out and shut all of our feeble attempts to climb over the wall out, there's Christ as the gate allowing us to enter in. And that's the marvelous part. I I appreciated this verse that's in Corinthians. It says that Paul told the Corinthians that they were sanctified in Christ Jesus. In other words, they were separated from everything negative in Christ Jesus. There was the separating wall there, and there was also the in Christ Jesus, the, the matter of passing through the gate of Christ into the building of God. Well, John, this is really good, but uh, let's go on to our final portion. We're going to run out of time. Uh, Just one quick verse, because we're going to talk about the windows with the lattices, the last aspect that we'll cover very briefly here. 1 Kings 6, verse 4 says, And for the house he made windows with fixed lattices. Here's Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. And the gateway, you know how many windows? 15 windows on this side and 15 windows on the other side. All together, 30 windows. Full of windows. We all know the use of the windows is for getting in the air and bringing in the light. Suppose there's a building. You don't have the windows. You don't have the air. You don't have the light. The windows are for the air and for the light. But we know the story. If you have the windows, you have the openings. All the robbers, 
the bad ones, the evil things will come in. So you have the lattice, L-A-T-T-I-C, a kind of screen. All the lattices, you know, screen the window to keep out all the negative things. So it is called the latest windows, meaningful. Not the narrow windows, but latest windows. You know what is a lattice? Just trees of materials, or bars, right, to screen the window, to protect the whole building from the negative things. Yet, it still keeps the window open for the air and light. What is this? This is the life-giving spirit. Christ is full of the life-giving spirit. And the life-giving spirit, firstly, brings in the air, secondly, brings in the light, thirdly, keeps out all the negative things. Hallelujah! We have such a gate. I don't believe there has ever been such a gate on this earth. Fifteen windows on one side, another side, another fifteen. Altogether, thirty windows. Full of air, full of light, and full of screen. And it says all the windows are inward. That means what? The outer side is narrow. The inner side is wider. The life-giving spirit is always inward. Outside, outward speaking, it is not so wide. But inward speaking, it is so wide. Have you got the gate? We all have passed through the gate, but we never realized so much. Well, again, I say amen to Witness Lee. We all pass through the gate, but we never realize so much. I think even many Christians, John, may have realized that Christ is the gate, but they didn't realize that this gate had 30 windows that have lattices that are the picture of the life-giving spirit to let in the air, let in the light, and to keep out all the negative things. This is wonderful. In the Bible, whenever figures of speech such as wind, air, breath, and light invariably related to the Spirit. And so when we have windows that will allow air and light in but keep out negative things because there's a kind of a lattice screen in front of it, we have to realize that this is a picture of the life-giving Spirit. Why is it the life-giving Spirit? Because the element of Christ's death is the structure of that lattice. It's That's what keeps the negative things out. Christ's death has dealt with every negative thing in the universe, and that element has been compounded into the life-giving Spirit, and thus the windows with the lattice has to refer to the life-giving spirit. This is a marvelous picture. I especially appreciate the point that the bevel is inward, which indicates that the window was wider on the inside than it was on the outside. If you looked on the outside, it was a small window. But if you look, if you looked out from the inside, it was a pretty large window because you have the bevel there with it, which indicates that we need to be an inward people. We need to be a people that have deep experiences of Christ and deep experiences of the Spirit that may not be so visible to people on the outside, but because we are those that are in Spirit, exercising our Spirit, opening to the Lord, there is a wide element of the Spirit deep within our being that brings us into and constitutes us into the building of God. John, I... Uh... 
I really feel like this program, I said at the beginning, it's a turning point in the book. It's a turning point, hopefully, in the lives of many of our listeners to see the building of God in a new way today that they never saw before. Really appreciate you coming in and doing this program with me. Thank you. And uh, we'd encourage you, as we did before, to get the printed copy of this Life Study of Ezekiel. It's printed Life Study number 19. You can get more information on how to get that through calling 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or just send an email to radio at lsm.org. So on behalf of John Pester, this is Matt Miller, thanking you for listening today and encouraging you to stick with us as we finish the life study of Ezekiel on this wonderful matter of the building of God. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.